Welcome to the Cambridge Tech Podcast, talking all things technology from the heart of the UK's tech capital. Here are your hosts, Faye Holland and James Parton. Hi, I'm James. And I'm Faye. So, Happy New Year, James. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Yeah, our first show of the new year. How was your break? It was very good, very fast, ready and raring to go for 2024. Got some crazy plans, which will be as no surprise to you. So, yeah, fun and games. So that that kind of makes me think about my New Year's resolution. Um, so before I tell you mine, have you got one? I don't do them. No, maybe I'm a bit bar humbuggy, but I'd only break them if I made them anyway. So I don't oh. tend to do them. I'm sorry. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> just <laughs> tell me yours. Okay. Well, mine is, uh, is I'm one of these one word people. So I just try and adopt a word each year and see if I can manage it. And this year it's going to be easy. Okay. Because I have a knack, as you will know from, from the podcast organization, I have a knack of making things a little bit complicated. So my, my theory is try and make things a little bit easy. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's, my, that's my plan. Actually a change in behaviors. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what a change. <laughs> yeah, metamorphosis into something else maybe. Who knows? Mm. Okay. I, I'll, can I give you feedback on how you're doing on that then? <laughs> um, yes, and now I've actually just said that publicly. I expect lots of people. Actually, I just I, I, I talked to the team this week, and I said that that was one of my that was that was my word of the year. And they asked whether they could hold me to account on that. So <laughs> I'm like, yes, of course you can. That's exactly the point of it, isn't it? So yeah, wish me luck, everyone. Do do let me know. Keep me in check. It, it reminds me slightly, maybe your team will sympathize. Like when I used to work at O2, we had a bunch of external consultants come in to do a reorganization, and the project was called Project Simplify. And the presentation we had to sit through to learn about their findings of Project Simplify was 150 slides. Oh, I love that. That's just, that's just proper external consultant, isn't it? Do you remember it? Oh, yeah oh yeah i could recite it word for word yeah well uh, it worked then didn't it it was very simple <laughs> anyway let's get on so the new year honors list was announced for anyone who paid attention to it and actually there's some some really good names on there so i thought it was worthwhile i was just name checking a few people um the first one not in the tech space but dame carol black um someone i first interviewed going back to my hr um publishing days a few a few years ago she is a basically a force for good in the whole space of well-being. So congratulations to her. And we've also got quite a few in the Cambridge tech community that have been recognised, which I think is really great. The first one being Gerard Grek, who got a CBE. Oh, yeah, that's really cool. Uh, you might remember we spoke to Gerard quite recently, actually. Was it episode 51? It was. It was. And and we're, we're trying to get him and Anne on to talk about founders, but they've been, they were very busy at the end of 2023. Um, with the new new cohort, so it'd be great to get to to get them back on and find out a little bit more. And then there were a few OBEs that went in the tech space as well. So Steve Brealy, um, probably one of the most unassuming leaders in the quantum space that you can come across. So really pleased for him. And in um, I think next week we've got the his CEO 
Beck Simmons on, um, which will be episode 70. And also Dr. Sabasan Sithamparanathan. He's the founder of Pervase ID. He's one of these really good success stories for Cambridge that not many people know about because he's just got on and done the business and he's done really well. So I'm desperate to get him booked on. I did speak to him at the end of of last year. The area he works in is an area I used to work in when I was at IBM um, with RFID. So it'd be great to see how much things have moved on in that time. So they're the they're the, you know the three people from the Cambridge Tech Space, which I think is really great, and congratulations to them. And if I can just throw in one more, there's a lady called Sharon Livermore. She runs a company called Cameo Recruitment, but she is a massive role model for the victims of domestic abuse, and she's just been made an MBE. So huge congratulations to her as well. So good news to start the year off. Yeah, really positive. And yeah, just to echo my congratulations to everyone there as well. Um, so yeah, we've got some really great episodes lined up for you. Um, as Faye mentioned, Beck Simmons is coming on next week. And re- that was a really great conversation. So looking forward to you all hearing that. Um, we also have Pam Gartside of Cambridge Angels coming on. And then we've got the Trinity Bradfield Prize, which uh, is coming up towards the end of January. You may have heard me plug that a few times at the end of last year. I know who's on the final list, so I'm very excited about it. So uh, tune in to learn about the the latest and greatest uh, innovations coming out of the university. That's great. Then there's a whole range of other people then coming up, aren't there, for in February. The mix, and, and we're trying to keep it all mixed up for you. So some of the investors, the large companies, the small companies as well. So it's pretty good, pretty strong start to 2024. So talking about that, let's get started with our first episode. Yeah, so Future Work reached out to come onto the podcast and discuss their work and to talk about the first of a number of new products they're launching, which is Lilypad. Uh, Future Works, as we're all here, is part of the Marshall Group, who are very much Cambridge royalty. The group was founded back in 1909 around transport and car dealerships, and they've diversified into many things, including aerospace engineering. They've got revenues of over a billion pounds and employ more than 2,000 people. So uh, to tell us more, we're joined by Future Work Managing Director, Kieran Patterson. So Kieran, thanks for taking the time to uh, speak with us today. Why don't we start by getting to know you a little bit better and maybe you can describe your career path and how you got to Future Works. Yeah, so I, I first came to Marshalls back in 1998 as a year out from my university degree, aeronautical engineering. And then they sponsored me through my final year and I came back as an engineer in 2000, initially as a structural engineer and then specializing in fluid mechanical systems. And then I moved into leadership of technical teams. So I, I led a small team doing a flight test bed for the A400M engine when that was brand new. And then moved into being a chief engineer on a number of different programs, um, some for the RAF doing a fuel tank inerting system, uh, some with Airbus doing auxiliary fuel systems and more latterly chief engineer on one of our special mission programs where we had converted a, a, a Bombardier Global Express into an ISR platform. And then I moved into more general management, so head of engineering for one of the business units, our major projects business unit. At which point, one of the guys I was working with and the guy that was the MD for that business unit at the time had come up with an idea for a new thing. And 
he was trying to answer the question. So within the context of Marshalls, which has always been a very innovative business, we've changed directions quite a lot of times and we do an awful lot of stuff now. But how, how and where would we go and create genuinely new value that would allow us to, to diversify the business? And he came up with a concept of FutureWorks as a separate entity. And he tapped me on the shoulder and said, Kieran, I know you're a, you're a guy that's been around a little bit, but do you fancy doing something different? And I said, yes. So I went across effectively as the head of operations, co-founded FutureWorks, set it up from scratch, picked the team develop the operating model, develop the culture, importantly, because it's quite different to the other things that, that we do at Marshalls. And then beginning of this year, I took over as managing director for that part of the business. So that's really the, the journey, if you like. Before we get on to FutureWorks, can we just talk a little bit about Marshalls? Because you've just given us some indications there, you know, whether it's cultural or what the business does. What does Marshall's Group do? And it's obviously it's a big Cambridge institution. So just tell us a little bit about them. If we go back to where it where it started from, originally it was a chauffeur business uh, and car repair, and it's progressed through into things like aerospace, fleet solutions, so fleet management, property, skills and training now, and it's a very diverse group these days. Advanced Composites up in, in North Yorkshire as well. So it has a variety of different operating businesses. It has the property division and it has the skills and training division, if you like. So it's it's split into that almost enterprise property skills and development. That's great. Thank you for that context. So I guess we're going to move on and talk now about FutureWorks in a, a little bit more detail. And congratulations on the new role then, the extended role. Yeah, so tell us, tell us, Kieran, about FutureWorks. What, is, what does it involve? You, you say it's about creating or spotting opportunity to create value. It sounds intriguing. Tell us more. It's really a part of the business that plays very firmly in that Horizon 3, so 10 years plus type space. And what we're looking to do is identify challenges, problems that are coming over the horizon, which are typically aligned to some of the sort of trends and, and global trends and mega trends that you see. Spot them sufficiently early um, that we can come up with interesting ideas on how we might solve those problems. And then for the most valuable ideas, create the solution for those particular problems and develop a business around that solution that we've created. And if that, that becomes a go, if that becomes a, a profitable business, then spin that out as new businesses, either under the Marshall Group or as potentially joint ventures, or for certain products and solutions, we may spin that into our existing businesses as new lines of business uh, to give those businesses a bit of transformation from within. And have you got some examples of like technologies or products that have, that have kind of been incubated within FutureWorks? The first to market is Lilypad, um, which I guess we'll talk a little bit more about. But um, we don't just play there. We've explored a whole range of different areas, some very traditionally Marshalls, some very traditionally non-Marshalls, mm. actually. And we've brought in a, a load of different diverse thinking to make sure that we're not focused on the things that we do today. It's more about what things might we do tomorrow. So Lilypad, I guess, is the first to market. That is uh, effectively an autonomous system largely it's a permanently deployed system of uavs that live offshore and perform inspections of offshore assets essentially autonomously 
all controlled and monitored from an onshore ground control station. Very, very different to the, the maintenance business for that industry today. And that's all been designed and built in-house? Correct. We, we don't do everything ourselves. Mm. Uh, we do do all of the architecting ourselves. We do do the design and manufacture some elements of it. But one of the, the key things that we do, and in fact, one of the things that Marshalls as a group do, and this is a theme throughout its businesses, is to partner with people. Because of the size of Marshalls as a business, it's not, it's not so big that it's scary for startups and SMEs actually to work with, and particularly FutureWorks, as a slightly smaller, more agile part of the business. Um, we tend to work with SMEs and, and, and startups in particular that have got some really interesting technologies that are going to push the boundary. So in, in terms of LilyPad, we work with a, a company called Seize.ai. They specialize in command and control software and navigation software, which in, in essence, in combination with a series of sensors, it builds a real-time image of the world around it as it flies through it. Mm. without any prior knowledge, which is really something quite special and allows you to do certain things in an offshore environment, like approach a wind turbine, characterize how that, uh, how you find it. If you think about a wind turbine, you think about the nacelle, your blade angle, blade feather angle. Um, to be able to automate an inspection, you need to recognize that asset as you find it and then apply an automated process to it. And that's what we do with C's. And we also work with a company called ISS Aerospace that do a really good ruggedized drone for offshore environments. Um, you know, we're not a drone manufacturer, but we know how to integrate a drone with some really good software with the communications backbone and an enclosure and do all of the aerospace certification around that with the UK CAA. Mm. So that's, that's really the sort of role, very typical of the sort of role that we play when we're, when we're building new products and services. So, so as well as partnering with startups, is investing or acquiring startups part of the remit as well, if you spot really unique technologies? So we won't rule it out. FutureWorks is not there, uh, if you like to be a, a venture capital investor in businesses, that's not our operating model. Our preference actually is to work in partnership with people. That could be they're a subcontractor to us or actually as a genuine uh, partner. Uh, in something where we're co-investing. Um, and we find that works much, much better for us than than almost trying to be a, a standoff venture capital business. It's something we used to do as a business and actually we've stepped back from because we're finding that um, that hands-on approach gives us a much better alignment, one, strategically with some of the other areas of the business, but also it plays to our strengths, frankly, in terms of integrating different things to build something greater than the sum of its parts. So going on a little bit of a tangent here and hoping not to wind James up, I remember, or maybe I will, let's give it a go. When we were thinking of all different topics and subjects to cover on the podcast, I raised this conversation about entrepreneurship or intrapreneurship, you know, do they coexist? Does it, and, and James was like, I'm going to parry, no way, intrapreneurship doesn't exist. Do you like that accent? Yeah. Is that, like, really is that like an impression it. of me? Okay. <laughs> I said, I'm, really, I'm okay. really good at accents. Yeah. But it seems to me from what you've said there, actually, what you're doing is really entrepreneurship in practice. You know, you're, you're taking the strengths of Marshalls and you're bringing new things in. Is that true? 
That's absolutely true. So the majority of the people that we look to um, bring into FutureWorks have entrepreneurial spirit, but the reality is we're operating within within a, a, a multinational corporate culture, so they are our investor. So what we're doing is absolutely entrepreneurship with very much a focus on an entrepreneurial culture. Uh, and that's a lot of the people that have come into to FutureWorks come in on the basis that we'll give them the opportunity to go and ideate. We'll also, if we can put a good business case around that, we'll go to the holdings board. We will pitch for investment like anybody else would actually. And we're competing within the business for investment. If they think the business case delivers the return on investment that they're looking for, we'll then go and create that. We'll build the venture and the business around it. And the person whose idea it was can follow that all the way through. And if we pop that out as a new business, they can, we often use the sort of term graduate with that business and go and play a significant part in that business. So that's classic entrepreneurship, but with the safety blanket that they're operating within a corporate environment. So that's what makes it quite unique. And, and it's important because it is difficult. I mean, you, you know, you talk to a lot of people at the moment and, and cost of capital and funding is challenging at the moment. But also if it's if it's a, if it's your only startup, then if that comes to an end, then that's that's a difficult thing in the future works context. We almost expect to have some failures, actually. And the beauty of it is you start again. You know, failure is not considered failure in its classic sense. You'll have learned absolutely loads and actually will have developed probably some quite valuable things along the way. So it's just about recycling that in some cases or starting again. So definitely entrepreneurship in terms of the context, but absolutely uses entrepreneurship at the heart of the culture. I mean, this is exactly why I was really excited to have you come on because as a Cambridge Tech podcast, we want to talk to any organisation that's involved with interesting technology and innovation and entrepreneurship, you know, in the city. And I think it's fair that we have over-indexed on talking to startups, which you tend to do when you think naturally about entrepreneurship. But as you've just said, you know, innovation, entrepreneurship, finding new revenue lines, that's the lifeblood of any organisation, not just startups, right? So, you know, an organisation the size of Marshall, I think is really interesting, as you touched on when you went through the history of the company, how many times it's pivoted and entered new markets is quite remarkable, actually, compared to, you know, many large corporates that tend to stick in their lane and do what they're good at. Yeah, there are, there are very few large companies that haven't gone through incremental innovation and fundamental transformation if they've been around for a very long time. And Marshalls is no different. In fact, it's done it very successfully over over many, many years. And if you like, we're just the reincarnation or the latest reincarnation of, of a spirit which has endured through through the Marshall Group, actually, um, since its inception. Just one last question before we move on. The entrepreneurship. You touched on your building a unique culture within the group. So... How are you doing that? You know, is there, is there training? You know, are you pulling people from business units that are already there? Are you hiring new people? What's your approach there? That's a really good question. We made a decision very, very early on that this needed to be segregated from the existing operational delivery businesses. You need to give people space to be innovative and entrepreneurial. And the culture for that is very much one of learning. 
very much relies on people's curiosity. Give them space, give them time. Our other delivery businesses are focused on operational efficiency and frankly the bottom line and you can't always be like that if you're looking to go and ideate and create new value. So we deliberately moved off the main site, moved into St John's Innovation Park over the road um, to be closer to the innovation ecosystem. So set the right environment. The office is not a traditional delivery office in many respects. We pulled a few people from our existing businesses, but they were people that we knew had the right curiosity, had the right mindset to come and actually openly explore. If we pushed them into an unconstrained space, how much would they just go and find their way through it and come back with something of value and interest? And also in our recruitment policies, we very specifically looked at people that can demonstrate that curiosity uh, and can come and be part of what is a very learning-based culture. That's really what, at the heart of what we do. So learning versus delivery. So it was it was segregation. It was employing the right people. It was even in governance structure. You know, I'm, I'm fortunate I report directly into our chief executive officer, so I don't have to go through some of the organisational layers of other parts of the business. And that gives us agility and the ability to stop and start and stop again if needed actually very quickly and do things differently as well, which if you're trying to operate in a new market space, it's fundamental. You know, what works in aerospace will not necessarily work in the offshore energy sector. So we've had to be very agile and adapt actually to, to the direction of travel that we're, that we're moving in. I said that was going to be the final question before we moved on, but you've prompted another one. So if you indulge me, Faye. How do you set the direction with the team? Do you have themes and technology areas that you're looking to deploy them on? And then they go off and scout looking for great innovation or are they completely free brain to go do what they want? How, how does that kind of work? So we have three cycles, if you like, within the business. Um, the first is exploring. And actually the team will pick themes or items of interest to them. And everyone that comes into the business new, the very first thing they do is go and explore because actually we want we want them to have the opportunity just to go and do something different. And that is very unconstrained, so that's a sprint-based approach. So we, we time-bound it, but we don't bound it in terms of where they go and explore. Beyond exploring, if there's an idea that pops out and is valuable, uh, and that gets assessed via uh, essentially a, a scoring mechanism, and we think we can build a business case around it, and we can go and get investment for it, then we'll go and create that solution. So creating the solution is sort of the next part. And that's quite different. So whilst the exploring is very unconstrained, at the point at which we go, we're actually going to go and create that solution. That needs to be very focused. And so we'll put a more traditional delivery style team together for that from around the team based on the skill sets that are needed. And then there's the venture building piece, which is really the you know, where that real entrepreneurial spirit comes out and we start to bring in the marketing, the business development and, and going out and building all of those networks and building a business. Um, so depending on which stage of any given startup we're in, people have more or less constraints to go and do different things. And, and actually trying to balance that is one of the most challenging things of the, the whole enterprise, actually, because within any one office, you might have something that's being explored in a completely unconstrained way, something that's right in the middle of delivery, 
you know, with everything that comes with that. And then something else where we're out and about trying to trying to grow revenue, for example. Equally, all of those different areas can learn from each other. And, and actually, there may be some synergy that, you know, something you start exploring could actually bolt onto something else that you're already doing. So it's, it's, a, it's a nice, nice way of working. And, and actually, the most valuable ideas that we've, we've come across tend to be the ones where you get an intersection between two or three different things that you're doing. And LilyPad's a classic example of that. So we were exploring autonomous systems and that, that enabled us to characterise where technology was today and also where the regulatory environment was today for things like UAVs. On the other side, we were exploring net zero, looking at the offshore energy sector and identifying trends where that's looking to grow rapidly, but the maintenance environment for that is not something that can grow from a cost perspective. It grows exponentially with growing the business. It doesn't grow proportionally. And... The offshore wind farms are moving further offshore, which breaks the current economic model, if you like, for maintenance. So actually, it was the combination of all all of that that came together and was really the idea and the genesis behind Lilypad. So the reason we do it all in the same place is for exactly as you said, because we're looking for those those real sparks of intersection between different things that we're doing. So it's, it's bringing me out in hives a little bit, the fact that there's no bar to what people can explore. But there must, you can see why Lilypad works within Marshalls. There must be certain focus areas that you direct people in. They can't completely go off and explore anything, can they? Can. They? they can. The interesting thing we found is that the ideas that score the highest tend to have some adjacency to what we already do across the group. But that adjacency might not be the same market, but it might be a skill set that's equally applicable in a different market or a technology set that we can read across or understanding of a regulatory environment. So that adjacency isn't isn't always exactly aligned to what we do, but the ideas that score the highest are the ones where there is some adjacency that allows us to leverage competence, capability, access, the brand that is Marshall's. So are there any other examples that you can give us that you're currently working on or are they hush-hush? There's a few we can talk about. So we're doing, Lidipad is a a small drone. We're also doing a larger drone. That's another project we're doing with ISS Aerospace and that's been announced publicly that we've been awarded in conjunction with ISS a a grant from DASA to go and do what's known in the industry as a heavy lift drone. So something that can lift 250 to 300 kilograms quite a large vehicle and clearly we're drawing on our on our aerospace expertise we're drawing on our advanced composites expertise for lightweight airframes and our regulatory experience with the CAA as we do that project but that's that's a thing that will plug into the ecosystem of Lilypad so you can run multiple different types of assets under the same command and control uh, infrastructure and another area that we've also announced is we're doing some work in in hydrogen the one that's the, that's public is um, the partnership that we've entered into with Parker, Megat and GKN Aerospace to explore liquid hydrogen for the aviation sector. So that's an exciting thing that we're doing at the moment. And there will be more announcements on that later in the year, although we can't say too much about it yet. And then another area which we can't talk about too much, but we're also looking at the potential for technology in the refrigerated fleet logistics sector, which looks to be moving towards a hydrogen-based powertrain because the payload economics of of battery EVs become limited actually for very, very much heavier payloads. So those are all areas that we're working 
at the moment. And there, there's some other work that we're doing with actually with startup businesses in and around Cambridge that we can't talk about. But it's quite a variety of interesting things at the moment. Great. So we'll have to get you back on when you can talk about them. Absolutely. Be, be very happy to. So you mentioned there about some work you're doing with startups around the region. If I'm a startup and I'm listening to this, my ears must be pricking up because startups are always desperate for that big logo on their on their pitch deck. You know, we've got a customer and that customer might be Marshall. You know, that's that's going to be very attractive for people. So walk us through how that engagement process works. You know, do you welcome startups approaching you? Do your team lead that when they go out scouting for new opportunities? You know, what kind of criteria? Is there somewhere that startups might go to see if their technology might be attractive to you guys? How does that matchmaking process work? So our team is certainly out and about and and part and parcel of learning is getting out there and talking to people, finding out what is out there. But equally, we do find that people will come and talk to us as well. And uh, we have a number of people that will get in contact and go, I've got a really interesting thing. I'd like to come and just talk about it. And really, it's about, is there that, uh, that synergy that we think will work? And it's, and it's a combination of different things. Do we think we can add value to something that someone else brings us is absolutely critical. If we can't add value, then you know there is no point in us spending our time with them they need to go and find somebody else that does add value to what they're doing equally if we think there is some synergy there what we're really looking for is a cultural and behavioral fit first and foremost getting new things off the ground is really difficult as we all know and i'm sure you hear that time and time again and the thing that carries most businesses through is the people and the culture that goes around it and the ethos that goes around it We don't have quite the same funding constraints as others, but we have exactly the same issue with crossing the valley of death in terms of the new things that we develop. And the thing that gets you to the other side is the people and your ability to go and engage with the market and and ultimately to generate sales and revenue. So work with the right people. And then the other thing I would say is um, the relationship in terms of a business relationship is absolutely crucial. Our job is not to sweep in as, as a larger party and try and hoover up smaller enterprises. In fact, it's quite the opposite, because in most cases, we want people to grow alongside us so that we can scale. So our job actually is to work with people and help them to be successful, help them to scale as they need to, because if they can scale and we can scale, then, then that's, that works for both. So from a business perspective, it's not about saying, I want to own all your IP. It's not about saying, I want to come and acquire you. It's actually about saying what's the right and what's an equitable fit from a business perspective. And let's do what works for both of us. And if you start off on that foot, then the behaviours actually tend to come alongside it as well. And there's no shortage of really, really good people. But there's a lot of relationships which actually flounder on the the basis that the business relationship that was set up at the start wasn't quite right. And that's very difficult to to then row back from. So those are the, 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 the things that are absolutely crucial for us, actually. Yeah, and I think the sheer fact that Marshalls has existed for over 100 years, you know, you're, there's a lot of paying it forward, engaging with the community, supporting businesses, getting out there. You could almost argue with, you were one of the starters of the ecosystem that we constantly talk about as well. So you are intrinsically involved in Cambridge. What are are some of those highlights for you? 
So from my perspective, Cambridge, it, it's vibrant. It has, it has something about it. It has something about the people, um, which is almost a can-do attitude that you don't quite find in, in other places. Being in St. John's Innovation Park is really interesting. Most of the people there are quite happy just to help everyone else, which, you know, you can go out, you can walk into someone else's office. Can I borrow a tool? You know, you can't buy that anywhere so I'm, and i think cambridge has always had that little certain something so right from the point when the university sort of loosened the shackles a bit and said look let's go and start commercializing some of this for the benefit of of cambridge i think that attitude i don't think has ever really left most of the businesses that really buy into that that cambridge ecosystem so i think it's quite unique and that's always a highlight for me meeting meeting so many people that are like-minded doing some really incredible things, you know, half of which I can't claim to possibly understand because it's not my area of expertise, but it's always an interesting conversation. And I think wherever you go, there's always that little spark where you'll, you'll end up talking to someone you've not met before. And they're doing something quite incredible around the corner from you that you didn't really realize. And that's the excitement for me. You know, we're quite lucky. We get to do some really cool stuff, frankly. But you know there's a load of other people around you doing the same thing. And that's quite a rare thing, actually. So that's what I really enjoy, and particularly having grown up through Marshalls. We've done some fantastic things in that business, some really exciting things. And this is just almost a step on again, actually. I mean, you've almost articulated our inspiration for starting the podcast there is all of those interesting stories to tell and just uncovering them and, you know, putting a spotlight on them. It's... We have a lot of fun every week having exactly that conversation. Well, thanks, Kieran, so much for taking the time to come onto the show today. Very much appreciated. It's been an absolute pleasure. Today's show was produced by Carl Homer of Cambridge TV and supported by our media partner, Business Weekly. The Cambridge Tech Podcast is available on all major podcast platforms and on cambridgetechpodcast.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please give it a five-star review. It will really help others discover the show. If you are a startup looking to grow in Cambridge, the Bradfield Centre offers a range of flexible membership packages which put you in control of your office and homeworking mix. There's a vibrant, collaborative atmosphere, on-site cafe, plenty of green outside space, and regular member social events. For more information, visit bradfieldcentre.com or call 01223 919 600.